This past Monday afternoon, Shara and I had some errands we needed to, needed to run around town. Uh, we had some things we needed to do, and one of the things we needed to do was make a stop at the bank. For the past several weeks, Shara has been collecting some of your extra change uh, in order to buy some, some toys and some puppets to use on her humanitarian mission trip coming up in just a little over a week. And, it, and we needed to take that change to the bank and get it converted into bills. Anyways, we were standing in line. I looked over at the TV that was on in the corner. Now, the volume wasn't turned up at all, but the TV was on. It was on one of the news stations, and I could read the headlines across it. Massacre at Virginia Tech. Well, since the volume wasn't on, and I'm not a very good lip reader, I couldn't catch all the details of what was going on, but I did my best to read the ticker across the bottom and try to gather as much information as I could about what had happened earlier that morning. This was the first I had heard about the tragedy that had happened in Virginia that day. And as soon as I got home, the TV went on, and I started to absorb what had happened in that tragedy. And my first reaction was probably similar to yours. Oh no, here we go again. And immediately I started reflecting back on Columbine and Tabor, Alberta and Dawson College just last September. And I even wondered if this could be another terrorist attack. How about you? What was the type of reaction you had? I expect it was similar to that. Well, the next morning, Tuesday morning, I had a dentist appointment. Now, I don't know what it's like at your dentist uh, when you go to visit him or her, uh, but at my dentist, they, they have a TV embedded in the ceiling above the chair. I think most of them do now. Uh, so when you're there and they're working in your mouth uh, and you're reclining in the chair, you can be looking up at the ceiling and watching TV. Of course, when, I, when I'm sitting there, I always start wondering how securely they attached the TV to the ceiling. Um, because I, I've carried TVs. I know how heavy they can be. And then I even start to think about how it could be strategy on the part of the dentist. I mean, suppose they're looking in your mouth and they're examining your teeth and they conclude that there's no hope. They, they just can't be saved. What if all they had to do was push a button and the TV came crashing down and knocked all your teeth out at once. That could, that could save a lot of work, couldn't it? That's just a thought for you for the next time you're sitting in that chair. But as I was sitting there this week, they gave me the remote and I flipped around the stations until I came across one of the news stations that was carrying the news conference uh, that was being held by the, the police and the, uh, the administration of the university uh, that day to inform everyone about any new information about the massacre. And that's actually when I found out who the shooter was and some of the early details about him. And all through this past week, there have been more details released each day, and we're learning more and more about what happened that morning at Virginia Tech. Now, this obviously wasn't what I was planning on talking about today. As of last Sunday, we were planning on starting a new message series this week called Stressed Out. In fact, throughout this week, as we approached the end of the week, I was still planning on starting that this week. But then my plans changed, just because this is such a, uh, such a moving thing that has happened. It has impacted so many lives. It's, it's captivated our attention all week, trying to, to piece together 
how this massacre could have taken place. Plus, one of the greatest causes of stress today is fear anyway. So this, so it actually does kind of fit in with the whole theme of stress. We have this fear. We have the fear of the unknown. We have a fear of what might happen to us. We have a fear of what might happen to those we love. And the events that took place at Virginia Tech this week only serve to reinforce that fear. And then you can think back just two weeks ago on Easter Sunday. On that day, six Canadian soldiers serving in Afghanistan were killed when a roadside bomb exploded. Uh, many of them were from the Maritimes. They were right from our region here. In fact, one of the soldiers who was injured but who survived was Sean Fevens, who actually attends one of the Wesleyan churches in the Halifax area. And then just last Wednesday in Turkey, two Turkish Christians plus one German Christian who was living in Turkey, uh, they were all working at their publishing company when five young Muslim men came in, tied them to chairs, and proceeded to stab them multiple times and slit their throats. Now you hear about things like this happening around the world. You hear about the things at Virginia Tech, and you hear about the things in Afghanistan, you hear about the things in Turkey, and in Iraq, and all around the world. You hear about all of this, and you start to wonder if you can ever live at ease in this uneasy world. And you realize that we're not exactly immune to danger here either. So is it possible to live with a sense of peace even in the midst of violence? Is that possible? I believe it is. And I believe that you can know this peace. So with that in mind, let me give you four factors for experiencing and living a peaceful life. Four factors for a peaceful life. The first one is this. Know where your eternity will be. You need to know where your eternity will be. Where are you going to end up? Where are you going to spend forever? You know, life can be messy. There's no denying that. There are all kinds of things that want to rob us of any peace. We have our struggles. We all experience all kinds of difficulties. We've all got junk that we've got to cope with. But you know what? That's okay. Because it's temporary. And so even when our world is in uproar, we can live in peace because we know that this isn't all there is. This lifetime isn't all there is. The Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though it's necessary for you to endure many trials for a while. What's this wonderful joy ahead that Peter was talking about? Well, he was talking about heaven. And in heaven, there are no problems. There are no valleys. There are no dark days. And all of us who have entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ have that to look forward to. We have heaven to look forward to. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, it says, But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Now, how's that for good news? I mean, I'm in no rush to get there, but when I do, how great that will be. 
how great it will be to spend eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. Listen, when you have established a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and when you know that you've secured a future home with him in heaven, then you can experience peace. Because you can know that whatever happens to you in, in this lifetime, no matter what life throws at you, you have an eternity to look, to look forward to. A joyful eternity. Listen to what Jesus promised his followers. He had already had his last supper with his disciples. He knew that, that he would soon be arrested and executed. And so he told his disciples this in John chapter 14. He said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything's ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. And then later on in the chapter, he went on to say, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. That's what Jesus said. Don't be troubled or afraid. You see, the peace that Jesus gives is not a temporal peace. Here today, gone tomorrow. No, the peace that he gives is eternal. It's a peace that says, whatever happens now, I have a home in heaven. So you've got to know where your eternity lies. If you want to live in peace, you need to know that. Now, that deals with the afterlife, after this lifetime is through. But secondly, you also need to trust God for this life. Trust God for this life. Now, often when a tragedy happens, like happened at Virginia Tech, God gets blamed. You hear people say things like, how could God allow something like this to happen? Or maybe more uh, well-meaning people might blame God in a more subtle way. They'll say, I guess God just decided it was their time. Or God took them to be with him. Or how about that line that we often feed to kids, God needed another angel. Forget that that's bad theology because we don't become angels after we die. Uh, but that's just another subtle way that we blame God for the tragedies that that happen. And I don't know about you, but that is not the picture that I have or want to have of who God is. I don't want to have a picture of a God who causes tragedy on a whim. I was, uh, I was surfing the web this week and I went to CNN.com and I was reading some of the biographies of the victims in, Virgin in Virginia. And I came across Rachel Hills. Rachel was a follower of Jesus. And in fact, she had already graduated from a Christian school. And they went in and uh, interviewed the administrator of that school. And he talked about all of her talents and the hopes that she had for the future. And then he said this. He said, obviously, the Lord had other plans for her. Obviously, the Lord had other plans for her. Now, I understand that statements like that are meant to console people and try to explain why bad things happen. But really, I don't think they do either. Listen, the students at Virginia Tech didn't die because it was their time. That's not why they died. They died because another student came with a gun. They died because evil and sin exists. 
That wasn't God's plan. He didn't decide that it was their time. Another student decided it was their time. You see, we live in a broken, fallen world. And because of that, things go wrong. Not everything that happens is what God desires to happen. That's the price that he paid for giving us free will. Not everything that happens goes according to his plan. That's the price he paid. He gave us free will. He gave us the ability to choose. And so there's a lot of stuff that happens that God doesn't endorse because we're allowed to choose things that don't comply with his will. But the good news is, ultimately, he is bringing all things under his control. And one day, his plan will be fully realized. A few minutes ago, we looked at a passage in Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. You remember what it said there? He said, it said that he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. He will bring everything under his control. There are things that happen right now that are outside of his control because he has chosen to give us free will. But he is bringing all things under his control ultimately. Now that's coming. That's something to look forward to. But right now, you and I still need to trust him and we need to hold on. What did Jesus say? In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, he says. And then he says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So Jesus is saying, even with all the stuff that happens, even when you go through tough times and you experience loss, you can still trust in me because I am with you and I will give you peace. He says, no, all is not right with the world, but I have overcome the world. And so as we continue to trust him now, we can look forward to that eternity with him when all the current troubles will be left behind. Philip Yancey is a best-selling author, and he has written this. He, he has written, Jesus offers no way out of the unfairness, but rather a way through it to the other side. Do you remember David in the Old Testament? David spent time fleeing for his life. He later on became king, and maybe that's how you best remember David. But he had spent some time earlier in his life fleeing for his life. King Saul was trying to hunt him down and kill him. So David had to run away and he had to leave everything and everyone behind him and go into hiding. He knew that life wasn't always easy. But he also understood that despite everything that might happen to him, he could still place his faith and his trust in God. This is what he wrote in Psalm 4 verse 8. In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. What a great perspective David had on life. Even though he knew what hardship was, he also knew that he could place his trust in God because God is trustworthy. Number three, if you want to experience peace, learn the art of forgiveness. Learn the art of forgiveness because you'll never be able to live at peace as long as you're harboring anger and bitterness and resentment and hatred. You've got to learn to forgive if you want to experience real peace. Romans 12, verses 18 and 19. 
Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. So instead of seeking revenge, offer forgiveness. Now, I think a lot of people misunderstand what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not saying it's okay, because it's not. Forgiveness does not claim that it doesn't hurt, because it does. And it doesn't mean that there's no need for justice, because there is. But what forgiveness does mean is that you're not controlled by your anger. It means that you're not controlled by hate. It means that you're not motivated by revenge. Basically, it means that you recognize that, yes, there was an offense. You don't ignore it. You recognize it. But you choose to move beyond it. Oh, and you know that old phrase, forgive and forget? Well, you're not going to be able to forget it. You've been hurt and you need time to heal. You've experienced loss and you need to learn to cope with it. I don't believe we're capable of completely forgetting about it. And that's not what the Bible teaches. A lot of people think they're quoting a Bible verse when they say forgive and forget, but that's not a verse from the Bible. You're not going to be capable of completely forgetting. But if you do choose to forgive, then let me tell you what will happen. You can move beyond what happened. You can move forward in life instead of being tied to that moment when the offense happened. And eventually, the times that that offense comes to mind will be fewer and farther between. Now, this isn't easy. Uh, the natural tendency when someone hurts you is for you to hurt them back. It takes some strength of character to choose to forgive. Mahatma Gandhi understood that. He said, the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. I think one of the best examples of this that I've seen was found in what happened at Tabor, Alberta back in 1999. Just shortly after the shootings in Columbine, there was a shooting in Tabor, Alberta. And in that school shooting, 17-year-old Jason Lang was killed. Now, I don't have children of my own right now, but I do understand that there's no greater loss than for a parent to lose their child. And so I can understand that there's an emotional roller coaster that parents go through when they lose a child. And Jason's parents, Dale and Diane, would have experienced that emotional roller coaster at that time when they lost their son. But I do know that they were followers of Jesus. And because of their relationship with him, they chose to extend forgiveness to the 14-year-old who had killed their son. This is what the father, Dale Lang, said. He said, without God's love, I couldn't have forgiven the young man who shot our son. This is too painful a thing to do on your own. With God in my heart, he's made it possible. I've been set free from bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. And that's a wonderful gift. And he said, I'm an ordinary person, but inside of me lives the great and awesome Lord. And he made the difference. If you want to experience peace, then you need to follow the example of Dale Lang there. You need to learn the art of forgiveness. You need to learn to forgive people when they hurt you. And number four, if you want to experience peace, you need to keep short accounts with God and with others. Keep short accounts with God and with others. And we've already talked about you forgiving others when they've hurt you. This is about you seeking the forgiveness of others when you've hurt them. 
When someone hurts you, you extend forgiveness to them. When you hurt someone else, you go to them and you seek their forgiveness. Either way, whether you were the one offended or you were the one who offended someone else, either way, it's your responsibility to initiate the process of reconciliation. In fact, Jesus puts reconciliation pretty high in our to-do list. Let me set the stage for you. In Jesus' day, the Jews had a very strict protocol uh, when it came to going to the temple. It was a very strict religious protocol. In fact, it wasn't all that different from many churches today. You see, when you went to the temple, you were expected to be on time, sit quietly, and stay for the whole thing. Don't you dare try to leave early. If you were there in the temple and you remembered you left the iron on, you hope that your insurance is up to date. If the service goes over time and you remember you have a roast in the oven, then you just consider it a burnt offering as unto the Lord. But what you're not to do is leave the service early. That's what it was like in the temple. You're expected to be on time, to sit quietly and stay for the whole thing. And you can understand that. I mean, if you're worshiping God, what could be more important? Well, Jesus told us what? In fact, he gave us permission in this case to get up and walk out in the middle of a worship service. When did Jesus say that would be okay? He said it would be okay to do that when we realize that somebody is holding a grudge against us and we need to go and seek their forgiveness. This is what he said in Matthew chapter 5, verses, 22 and 20, uh, verses 23 and 24. Jesus said, So if, if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Basically, Jesus is saying, if you want to be at peace with God and with yourself, then you need to be at peace with others. So even if you're worshiping God and you remember that you need to be reconciled to somebody, go and take care of that first and then come back and worship God. Now put that in the context of what happened this past week. I wonder how many of the students at Virginia Tech this week, after the events that unfolded there, I wonder how many of them got on the phone and made up with their parents. How many of them had been estranged from their parents and, and once the shootings happened, they just felt a need to reconcile with them. I wonder how many of them had a fractured friendship that needed mending. I wonder how many of them had some unresolved business that suddenly they were motivated to take care of. Because, you know, it's often the tragedies and the close calls of life that wake people up to the need they have to be reconciled to other people and to God. But let me tell you this, if you keep short accounts and if you seek forgiveness as soon as you realize you need to do that, and if you make this a way of life, then you won't need to worry about it. You can be at peace in any circumstance because you know that you have no business that's left unfinished, that you don't have any relationships that you've allowed to be fractured and left that way. You can know that you've done your best to be at peace with everyone. Now, just as we close, let me read a verse from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. And let this be our prayer. Let this be my prayer for you as we finish up. Now may the Lord of peace himself 
give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you all.